we're gonna uh, today we're gonna be in Psalm 51, so I encourage you to turn there. Oh, I'm sorry. Psalm 51. Pretty much open to the middle of the Bible and you should land on it. Alright. This is the psalm. To the choir master, Psalm of David, when Nathan the prophet went to him after he had gone into Bathsheba. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgression and my sin is ever before me. Against you and you alone have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being. You teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than the snow. <clears throat> Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltness, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Do good to Zion in your good pleasure. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in right sacrifices and burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. This is God's word. Um, right off the bat, confession and, and repentance are vital spiritual practices that every Christian should practice. Confession and repentance are vital spiritual practices that we should take part in often. Um, <coughs> televised politics is, is pretty much all over the airwaves, and depending upon which side of the, of the aisle you tend to lean to or, or dwell in, um, you always hope that when one of your politician, uh, you know, super fan persons does something wrong publicly, you hope that they will apologize. I remember in the 90s when uh, Bill Clinton was caught, and we all do, I and mean, we all watched it on television, and we hoped that when he got up in front of the the, 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 the American people on television, he would simply say what we already all knew was true. That he had had an illicit affair with an intern. That he had lied about it. That he had done all this. And he would have just come clean. But instead, in his hubris, he chose not to. Throughout the years, our presidents and our politicians have all uh, tried their darndest to save face. And it usually blows up in their face. Know whether they ever uh, admit it or uh, come to grips with it eventually and what it has done, um, that remains to be seen. I only say that because we do the same thing. While we're not on television and we're not in the public sphere, um, when we blow it, when we sin, when we commit uh, some sort of act against God or other people, um, 
the remedy is not running from it. The psalm we read this morning is an account of, of David's reactions after his friend Nathan the prophet called him to the carpet and said, you basically, uh, you, you took another man's wife. First of all, a dereliction of duty. You shouldn't have been where you were. You, you lusted after a woman who was your, general's, your best general's wife. You had sex with her. Uh, basically, or as some commentaries say, that she, she was raped, basically. Um, uh, then she got pregnant. And while all this is going on, your best general's at war. And in order to deal with that, you brought him home, hoped that he would go to his wife and cover up the, the sin by uh, sleeping with his wife. And then with the pregnancy that would happen, it would have been assumed that was his or that was the, the general's, but that didn't happen. So what you did is you put your best buddy out on the front lines, not because he's a good general up on the front lines, but because that's where he would die. So you killed him. And then you covered it up as if nothing had happened. And he called him the carpet and this is this is what happens. David is so undone. He writes this beautiful poem uh, and it is an admission of guilt. So this is kind of what I want to talk about a little bit this morning and it's not fun. Nobody likes to talk about repentance and sin and all of that. Everybody would like to have, you know, five steps to a happier life. Well, that's just not the, what we're talking about too much. I've noticed that uh, in our men's Bible study, we've been having this, uh, uh, going through this Lenten uh, uh, study based on, uh, that talks about kind of the last week of Jesus's life. And especially this past couple of weeks is about the, his crucifixion and his cross. Um, and I told the guys, I said, I've struggled with this whole idea of crucifixion. And as we enter into Holy Week, really that's kind of our focus goes right to that. This coming around to the whole idea of confession and, and uh, um, repentance, it, I'll get there, but this is kind of where my journey has been at. Uh, maybe the crucifixion has been over-dramatized in my early years. I know when I grew up in other denominations, it was very much like this is the time where you come and laid all your sins out and, and you get all weepy and everything. And maybe I've just kind of played that out and maybe I'm just not there anymore. Maybe it was overemphasized in the movies when we've watched the crucifixion scenes. Uh, it just gets so gory and terrifying and just you're waiting in the filth of it all. And it's just kind of like, I, I just can't go there anymore. Maybe it's because the cross at some point in my life was more of a place of guilt and shame rather than love. And I've tried and been wrestling with that this week. And as I've been thinking through it, it occurred to me that the cross actually is, is it forces me to deal openly with my own rebellion and sin. And the very thing that caused Jesus to actually give his life. I'm convinced that you and I, we don't like dealing squarely with our own stuff. We're a lot like David. And while we may not sin on the magnitude of murder and adultery and rape uh, and uh, you know just dereliction of duty, we may not ever have that you know depth of of, of evil. Jesus actually tells us in the Sermon on the Mount that really we do. That while we may not actually physically take somebody's life if we speak ill of them, we've committed murder. And he goes on and on and on. You've read those things but we don't like to deal with it. And maybe it is that the cross has been forcing me to recognize the grandness of God's love in spite of my own 
dereliction, my, in spite of my own sin, in spite of my own twistedness and, and corruptness, that he himself would, in his body, would receive the consequences for my own rebellion. And it reminds me that I really ought to be at the cross a little bit more than I actually am. That I really ought to integrate the spiritual practice of confession and repentance into my walk with God. I, I read this uh, devotional every morning and it always starts with confession. And I always skip it. Let's be, let's be honest, because I want to just get to the Psalms and the Gospels. I want to read the good stuff. I don't want to dwell on the bad stuff. I don't want to be there. But it's there for a reason. When we come to God, it, it's almost as if we need to go, Hey, uh, yeah, yesterday I blew it. And it's not as if God is standing there like a, like a terrible parent going, Well, you shouldn't have been there, you, you big goof. You done messed up. Now go rake the backyard of poop. You know, that, that's, that's kind of what we hope, that, or that's what we think God's going to do, but that's not what God actually does. So what I want to tell you guys this morning is that confession and repentance, yes, the all-star of things that nobody wants to talk about in church too much, that everybody accuses us of talking about way too much, but really it's a spiritual practice that trusts in God's love. So I think we have to reorder our understanding of who God is. A lot of us think of God in, this, in the terms of a very angry, snow-white bearded rogue dude in the sky who's just, you know, waiting for us to, to do bad stuff so that he can punish us. That's not God. God is love. And in the same way, when we come to him with our confession and when we come to him ready to change, God embraces us in that love. He's not, he's not like a taskmaster who's whipping us to death and punishing us viscerally. And while guilt and remorse are the vehicles that drive us back to God who loves us, he's not waiting at the end of the road to whack us or to shame us or to, to call into mind all the other bad stuff that we did. Sometimes as parents or as, as people who have watched over other people's kids, sometimes it's easy to go back to you and go, oh, you did this wrong. It was just like when you did that other thing wrong, and it's just a continued pattern of wrong, and we like to dredge that up. But that's not how God works. Rather, God is love, and he's waiting to restore us, to lavish on us, to work with us in making us whole again. That's who God is. I think when, God, when uh, Jesus tells us that God is a lot like the prodigal son's father who tackles him in love and, and lavishes on him and restores him and gives him the, the, the best food in the house and the best clothes, that's kind of what happens. So we need to learn to trust that God is love when we come to him with all the things that we've done incorrectly or the ways that we've messed up or rebelled. When we come to him in confession and repentance, we are basically trusting that God will receive us and not forsake us that he will not turn us away in anger or rejection. And while we know that sin doesn't please God, we know that it causes relational tension and hardness of heart, and if left unchecked, it will warp our view of God. But God is encouraging us to trust him to come back. The whole of the New Testament, the, all of the prophets are constantly saying, come back, come back, come back. Israel, stop with the bad stuff, come back. We trust in God's mercy, his love, his forgiveness, and his reception of us. But secondly, confession and repentance are a spiritual practice of trust in God's way of doing life. Basically, when we confess that we've done something incorrectly, we've done it wrong, we've not done it God's way, we're basically saying, your way was better. 
Alahal, it says here uh, that it says, I know my transgressions and my sin are ever before me. I have sinned and done what is evil in your sight. David is essentially saying that God's ways are superior and that they foster life and create newness and bring about the kind of flourishing that he intends for humanity. David in this prayer is actually saying, God, I went and did it off my own way and we saw how that ended. It didn't, wasn't good. So in this pivotal point for David's way back into God's relationship with him is that he says, I had done dead wrong. It's a spiritual practice of saying, God, my ways are not your ways and I need to do your ways. So I'm just going to tell you right now, I shouldn't have been there. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have looked at that. I shouldn't have participated in that. Um, I shouldn't have been where I was. But thirdly, it's a spiritual practice of trusting God's restoration process. We don't, C.S. Lewis once said, he says, you don't, uh, uh, when you find out that the math problem you've been doing is, uh, is incorrect, you don't just forge on until you get the right answer. You have to go all the way back. It's the same way like if you're building out your basement and you realize that one of your boards is not quite square. There's not enough drywall or shims in the world that you can put in to make that board come straight again. You have to take it apart. You have to try, you have to, <laughs> you have to confess that you did it wrong the first way. Take it apart, make it right, and go on. So in the same way, spirit, this uh, confession and repentance is basically saying God's way of doing things is we have to undo what we did, sort of, and then trust that he's going to put it back the way it should be. And it's sometimes it's a slow process. Sometimes our sins, while they may be hidden, create this hardness that takes years to come off of and to get right. But until we start that, down that journey, we won't actually get to the place of restoration and wholeness. But lastly, it's vital for all relationships. Now, I know we always talk about it in terms of us and God, but it really has to do with us and people as well. Jesus says the great commandment is to love God and to love people. And to love God and to love people means we need to keep short accounts. And confession and repentance resets our relationships with God and with people. When we injure our best friends or our spouses or um, our, co our co-workers, the way back or the way forward is the way back. You have to go and make it right. You have to go and confess. There's a, a gentleman I work with, uh, and uh, uh, we don't get along, I'll be honest. Um, uh, I'm sure I irritate him to death and, he, and, and vice versa. Um, and uh, he texted me one day um, about some process at work that um, you know, I, either I had done wrong or something like that. And I'm like, I'm going home. I'm on the way home. Can't this wait tomorrow? And it's very snarky and very rude in my text back to him. And it was in that moment I realized this is my neighbor. And while we may never truly be friends or get along, this is my neighbor. So I had to re reply back to him like, hey man, I'm so sorry. I was kind of a jerk on the, my text. I, I'm, I'm very sorry about that. Um, and it helped. It reset that. So why does this matter? Well, just a few things. Number one, um, we should be doing confession and repentance more often um, because we sin a lot. Let's just be real. 
You and I are probably going to go and do something stupid today that we didn't intend to do either in our hearts and our minds and our attitudes or in our actions. It's just going to happen. Our nature, because of the fall, is to rebel against God's ways of doing things. And whether it's a snide comment or it's a bad attitude or it's an actual something terrible that we go off and do, our, our lives are bent in rebellion to God. And just because we have received Christ and we are forgiven and we are made into new humans and we are meant now to, we are capable of worshiping, glorifying God in all we'd say and do, the truth is, is that we don't. So uh, it affects our relationship with God and it affects our relationship with ourselves and it affects our relationship with our neighbors. So the way that we overcome that is that we keep short accounts. Oh, it's Ah, I shouldn't have done that. I'm so sorry, God. Ah, I'm so sorry, hon. I didn't mean to say that harsh word. Oh, I'm, I'm so sorry. It's just a matter of like remembering it and recalling it. See, the way to healing is through confession and turning back. The way forward is the way back. While our redemption and salvation is not affected by our sin anymore, we're no longer under the rule of the law in a sense that, that, that by all of our sins is condemning us because Jesus has come made us right with, his, with the Father, and we are His forever and ever because that's God's doing, not mine. Persistent and habitual sin will often dull and deaden our intimacy with God and our neighbor. And the way we return, the way we return to the Lord and pursue union with Him is through confession. It's like drawing out of a splinter out of your hand. The other day I was, we had these Ikea cabinet tree things and we had these bottom parts of the cabinet that are plastic that are go and they, it's a kick plate basically. And so I was trying to fit it back in there and I pulled it out and as I was putting it back in, a plastic splinter got up into my hand. Now, I knew it was there. Now I could choose to ignore it, but uh, it would get worse. If I had left it in there, weeks down the line, this thing would have puffed up so big, I would never be able to get it out. Have to go to the ER, spend a hundred thousands of dollars trying to actually have them do that, get this thing out. Or I can take the pain for a few seconds, take a stick pin, force that thing out and pull it out with tweezers. Confession is the same way. When we uh, deal with our sin and we deal with our, our, the wrongdoings we do in relationship with God and with people immediately, it's painful, but not as painful as it would be if you left it unchecked. Confession allows the light of God and his mercy to dwell in our dark places. His light cleanses and heals our souls. And lastly, it helps us avoid lapses of intimacy with God and our neighbor. The more in touch we are with our rebellion, the more that we see ourselves clearly, the more we will actually call it out and deal with it immediately and seek God for help and the more, uh, and, and so that he can heal us and restore us. And it's actually in that confession, it actually is what creates more intimacy and connection with God. When I find that I have sinned and done something terrible or done something that was in rebellion to God, uh, whether great or large or small, I find that when I go to him in prayer and say, oh, I blew it, I don't get condemnation. What I get is mercy. And I get relational intimacy with God again. And my heart is connected to him. And so uh, I may not be as readily willing to enter into sin the next time. If the outcome is dull, uh, um, yeah. But the heart of that is connected to God will not so readily enter into sin. The one that knows that that, that God himself um, uh, is merciful. The same goes with human relationships. When we do wrong with our spouses or with our good friends, 
we know what, the longer we go without resolving it and confessing it, the harder our hearts become to those people. And the harder work you'll have to do eventually. So keep short accounts. It increases relational intimacy. So how do we do it? Well, Psalm 51 actually gives us the template for that. First, David does the very thing he should do. He acknowledges the wrong if you know it. The prayer that I have in my devotional every morning says the sins I've committed overtly and the sins I've committed covertly. The things I know I did wrong and the things I didn't know I was doing wrong, but now that I think about it, probably were. Things of commission, sins of omission, things I did do, things I didn't do. Acknowledge it. Man, I blew it. But then there's this aspect of of lament and remorse. I, I hate the apologies that say, I'm sorry if what I did offended you. That is not an apology. That is not a confession. That is actually putting the blame on somebody else. It's your fault that you were offended at my actions. That's, that's not the way it should be. Lament and remorse really just means, honestly, man, I shouldn't have been there. I regret being there. I am saddened by what I did. I am so sorry. Uh, David does that here. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. I know my transgression and my sin is ever before me. See, he owns it, and he's lamenting over it. He wishes he hadn't done it. He's remorseful and regretful. But then seek forgiveness. So we acknowledge it, we deal with the remorse of it all, and we ask for forgiveness. God, in your mercy, forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me of all of my unrighteousness. I love this song. This is one of my favorite songs ever was, created me a clean heart, O God, a renewal right spirit within me. Oh my gosh, if that is not the prayer on my mouth all the time, cast me not away from your presence. He's seeking forgiveness. God, reconcile me to you because I ultimately sinned against you alone. Don't take your spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Forgiveness. So acknowledge it, lament, seek forgiveness. Reconcile where possible. Sometimes in our relationships, we have to do stuff to make it right. In our, our deep friendships with people, our deep relationships with spouses, our children, sometimes The thing we did wrong, we need to repay it. We need to make it right in some way. And sometimes that just means asking the other person, how can I help make this right? And sometimes there's an answer. Sometimes there's a, I don't know right now. And we have to be able to live within that tension of just waiting in that spot. Sometimes it's possible, sometimes it's not. But reconciliation sometimes requires some effort from us. And lastly, when it comes to our life with God, We need to return to that life. This is a momentary prayer in David's life. He went on. We must be willing to move on. Here's what I'd say. I had a a thought this morning. I think it's possible that the cross is not just, it's not a destination, but it is a waypoint. It is not a destination that we stay at. Rather, it is a doorway we go through into newness of life. So when we approach the cross, we do not camp out there, but rather we walk through its healingness, its healing. We walk through the things that it does and the cleansing that it does through or for us. We walk through the veil of Jesus's body and blood for us, and we walk into newness of life. Confession allows us to turn around and go back through the doorway of the cross and come out on the other side in that restorative healing process. And we return to our relationship with God. We don't mention our, in a sense, we don't 
go, hey, God, remember when I blew that up and did that bad thing? God's like, please don't talk about that anymore. That's been dealt with. That's the past. Walk in the newness of life. So your, your mission should you choose to accept it. One of two things. One, um, if you would like, I have the prayer that you guys can pray each week. I can send that to you in our chat. Uh, it's, it's very standard, um, but it is very good. And also, I would encourage you this week, uh, once a day, to read out loud Psalm 51. Make that part of the lexicon of your prayer life. Make that part of the things that you just continue to integrate into your life. Uh, just a daily confession. And we'll find that as we do that, we uh, will receive and enjoy the mercy of God even more. Amen.